It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. From tabletop game design. The the end of the episode, that's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, August 23rd, and you're listening to episode 482. If I sound weird, that's because, well, I'm not in the studio. I am sitting here in Ottawa, Illinois, the lovely town of Ottawa, Illinois, with Kelly Hoagland and Neil Roberts in a very old, creaky house. Yeah. Yes. Hello. Hey, it's an honor just to be nominated. So we are here, uh, as <laughs> promised, ignoring Neil's bad jokes, oft-repeated yet bad jokes, um, and uh, we are working on our co-design weekend. Uh, Neil and I did this a couple years back, really want to do it again, so we all got vaccinated just for this reason, definitely not any other reasons. Um, mm. Go get vaccinated. Uh, but no, so we are all vaccinated. We felt comfortable that we could get together. Uh, just the three of us. We found, and, a, we found a 19th century mansion. Yes. Yeah. We're in. It is, uh, it is, yeah, it's weird. It's huge. It's slightly remodeled in some places. In other places, it's not at all. And it has no decoration. Nope. Except for the creepy doll room. It doll. does have a creepy doll room. It does have a creepy doll room. Um... It's odd, uh, but it's a good deal. So we're here. We're designing. We're having fun. Um, so what we're going to do on this episode is we're mostly going to talk about what we're working on. Uh, we're going to do this in two parts. The first part will be half the show, as you may have guessed. The second part will be, yes, the second half of the show. Um, recorded at two different times. One, we've been here since last night. We got in uh, on Thursday evening. Um, and we all started uh, talking through the game and stuff. Um, we have a very rough game to start with this time, whereas last time Neil and I kind of had some other ideas. We came with some different ideas to work on. Um, so this was a bit more of a challenge. Uh, but we're now recording this on Friday, about 11 a.m. And uh, yeah, so, or is it 12? It is 12. My watch is finally updated. It is now noon, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, so about noon uh, on Friday. Um, so we're going to give you kind of the rundown of where we're at with the game, what's, what we're struggling with. And then we will be back tomorrow evening, uh, Saturday evening, to give you a summary. Or maybe Sunday morning, we'll, we'll see on the timing what we have. So, yeah. So who wants to talk about where we're at, like what, what we're doing with this game? Uh, anybody want to give kind of a summation of the idea of the game? Uh, I don't want to talk the whole time. Well, the idea of the game is you are building land and putting real estate on it, uh, but in weird, chunky ways where altitude and land type matter. You should talk about the inspiration for it. Oh. Yeah, so I can do that. Yeah, the inspiration was uh, on Airbnb, uh, on their website. For a short time, they had their cover photo with these little squares of land um, with different elevations, and they all had some sort of house or some sort of structure that you could live in some sort of domicile uh on them and uh and i just it was really cool looking and i took a a screenshot of it and i sent it to kelly and neil and i was we were looking for a game idea and i was like i love the aesthetic here you know the idea of these like raised tiles that are you know thick tiles um of different shapes and terrain types and I can 3D print this. Yes, and now I have a 3D printer, so I can 3D print all of these things. Uh, so yeah, so that was kind of the inspiration for the game. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like the the I guess what happened once we got here is that we had discussed some general things about how we wanted the game to work, mm-hmm. but we kind of knew that we didn't have a game that we could actually play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So last night we threw together a rudimentary point system and played through a very rough uh, first prototype and gave us a lot to think about. And the the, ben, the the plus of that first... So so I pre-printed all of the prototype pieces and just printed extra. We did a lot of math ahead of time. We know the board is a 6x6 six six board um, where we've got... Um, so 36 tiles fit on that, but I printed 50 tiles of, of five different types um of different and then then there are all these different heights and stuff and we kind of went through and just did math on what what is a good setup for that 
And then with the houses, we did five separate types of houses. Um, and then I printed a bunch of extras of those, and those are based on each player has their own color of houses that they're playing. Uh, and yeah, and, and we did, we, we played through a rough version of the game. Um, and I don't know that it was fun, but it was interesting. Yeah. Um, it was brain burning. Yeah, it, it was, it was very brain burning and I lost really badly. Um, so, so we should talk a little bit about the way the board is set up and kind of, cause that is not going to change. Like yeah. at least we don't think so. Um, so like you said, it's a six by six grid, 36 squares. With each column and row having its own scoring mechanism, mm -hmm. so that the idea is the scoring mechanisms will be interesting based on the interaction between the scoring mechanism for the row and the scoring mechanism for the column. Correct. And you can only score two round or two, one column and one row every round. Right, and you do that currently. Uh, we have you have six cards numbered mm -hmm. one through six, um, and currently when you play a card. Uh, you play two cards. Every turn you will, you will play two cards. And when you do that, um, in the current version, it's, this is, we're going to talk about how that's probably going to change. But in the current version, you then would say, I played a three and a four. I could either score, score column three and row four or column four and row three. And that's looking down the line. And the way you're currently scoring is there's the scoring condition which are all very simple right now. It's do you have houses for every house you have on this type of land, for instance, or this height of land, um, you score one point. And that's very basic. And we knew that wasn't going to work as a long-term game. Mm -hmm. um, but those right now we're thinking of as like starting scoring conditions or um, the other things they'll become. Uh, and so the, the scoring part was interesting in that you, um, we, we figured out ways to break the game pretty quickly. Like Neil, I think, was the first one to say, um, if you ignore three rows and ignore three columns and just focus on those three columns, like three columns to, to do good with and three rows, then you always have the exact same scoring condition every time. Yeah. Uh, My thought wasn't necessarily that was a breaking part of the game. I really like that aspect of it. But I mean, in the simplified yeah. form, yeah, simplified that broke form, the yeah. game. Yeah, because yeah. I, think, I think we... Do you want to carry that through in oh, terms yeah. of what we do next? Because it's one of the things we're trying to do with that scoring system is make it so that you don't just have a single thing that you concentrate on. Like, right. Because theoretically, you could just like pick one specific like row and column in the game and just like build that the entire time. But the way where we've kind of you have to kind of group you have to pick like three things that you're focused on, mm -hmm. and that really kind of spreads out. It mitigates a lot of the randomness and kind of spreads out what each person's building and trying right. to achieve, right. which is neat. It did, however, lead to one of the reasons I ended up winning the game because I started off separate from the two of you. Yeah. So yes. my three columns that I could build... That was our fault. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we allowed you to do that accidentally. Yeah. I suppose that's fair because you're only limited in the first thing you place. But yeah, so it tells you where you have to play your first tile... Um, and then after that, you can play a tile that is adjacent orthogonally or diagonally to any other tile on the board, uh, including ones that aren't yours, because you don't own tiles. Once you place a tile, you do not own a tile. Anyone can build on the tile. Um, the only thing you own are the houses that you build on the tile. Yeah, and the rule is kind of like you have to place a tile that is uh, where the corners that are touching are at the same elevation. Where one, where one corner that's touching is the same elevation. Right. So and that's why diagonal works. Right, yeah, and so that can be really interesting because we've got, you have got water, which is flat, it's a elevation low, one, yeah. and it's low, and it's flat, um, and then we have grasslands, which are also elevation one, but they can go up to elevation two, um, you've got sand, yes, that's also um, elevation one to two, um, and then you have a forest, which is elevation one to three, and then you have the mountains, which are elevation two to three, um, and uh, yeah, and so there's a lot of interesting design space in there. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of the next goal is that um, we are going to start adding in. So real quick pause. Like you heard me on a couple episodes ago when we were talking about designing to spec with Julio. One of the things I talked about was designing to a designer's style that you like and you want to emulate. And this was the game we were talking about where we really wanted to... Uh, feel a lot of, as Neil would say, washiness, uh, washiness, washy, uh, to, to kind of 
we're, we're all kind of enthralled with Wolfgang Warsh's games right now. And to be able to say, okay, what, what would a game like that look like if we were going to take this next step? And, um, and that's helped us make some interesting decisions. And it's really, I feel like, helped our conversations around it because it's less our opinions and more of like we all agreed that this was the design goal. Yeah. And so if one of us says, I don't think that hits that design goal, then we look to see if anyone else agrees. And if we do, we're able to say, no, okay, let's move on. Yeah, that goes back to what we've talked about a couple times, like when we talked about with Minecart Madness, trying to make sure it always went back to feeling like the runaway thing, mm -hmm. uh, or with the, the Foggy Woods game we're co-designing, where it's always going back to, is this kind of creepy and feeling like I'm going through a haunted forest? Exactly. But with this, instead of like a theme-inspired thing, uh, design goal, it's an overarching play experience. Yes. That we're shooting for. Yes. And that is the the increase in complexity that doesn't feel like it's complex because of the way it grows over the course of the game. Right. And so so the next thing we're talking about adding in is um, two well, different... Oh. To, to back it up, I think the first... Sorry, one, yes. One of the first, um, like, worshy things we did is talk about having a good game loop. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of what led us to some of the, the scoring mechanisms that we came up with. And we really focused on that, and now we want to move on to more aspects of it once we have that loose leaf right tiny. yeah right and that's where like that we had so we we really hit a standstill last night that was tough because we couldn't figure out that game loop right and we kept challenging each other you know it was like well maybe the first turn could look like this but then the next turn looks like that and um and that kind of breaks the idea of that perfect game loop of just like where you see that in taverns has that um and uh Quacks also has that where like on turn one, I can, I am doing the game. I am doing the full game loop, but my options within the game loop get bigger as I grow. And so, um, so, so that kind of led us to the idea of allowing you to, um, early in the game, you can only say, you can only build tiles. You can't build houses and that unlocks on say turn three, um, because that makes the board get populated in a certain way as you start. Um, and so that really, uh, that was another stopping point because the problem we were running into was you only score tiles if, you're, if you have a house on it that is yours, right? And that became problematic um, for the idea of gathering resources because that was something we knew we wanted to introduce into the game was how do I gather resources in, again, in a nice way that's not mm. overly complex um, and so that's the kind of the next phase we're going to test is how do I gather resources um, using my cards? And that was something we spent a lot of discussion time on is Neil really, really wanted this one through these one through six cards to have dual use. And I, I dismissed it pretty quickly. I was like, that's not going to work. And, and then when we came around the resources thing, like that's the way to do it, right? I can play a card. Uh, when I play my two cards, I can choose to gather resources with one of those cards or both of those cards or score with one of those cards or both of those cards, right? Mm -hmm. So it was neat because there were a lot of times that I found in the game when I wasn't doing as well during our little play test of the very first way through was that I didn't set up that awesome setup they had where they had two good three good columns and three good rows. Mm -hmm. So I would end up playing two cards that would score me two points and it sucked. But if I'd been gathering resources, suddenly mm -hmm. that would have been way better. Um, so the idea for gathering resources is simply that any uh, you score it on all of them. So if there's any tiles there, you score resources based on the tiles. And the, how they match the goals. Yes, and how they match the goals. Yes, mm -hmm. sorry, yes. So basically uh, coming back to the idea that one point equals one resource um, – which is, you know, so one victory point and one resource have the same, like, commodity worth mm -hmm. um, in the game. And, I, and uh, that helps simplify that, really break that down. And that was something that um, Rob and I worked on a long time ago on some different things because somebody gave us some advice of really trying to break down to what the cost of every single thing is in your game and figure out the core cost and then build up from there. So this seemed like a simple way to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. The difference being when you're scoring, you still only score your houses, the tiles that you have houses on that match that goal, whereas yes. the resources you, it's 
all those tiles. So everyone, right. if you're building towards your goal, you're still helping right. other people because they right. can score or they can get resources for that row right. you've been building. So it may say get a resource for every mansion that's in this row, that's in this in this mm -hmm. row, right? Yeah. Um, and if you play that for point, if it would say it would say plus one yeah. uh, for every mansion in this row. If you are um, scoring, you get your mansions. So if I have two mansions, I get two points. But if I have two mansions and Kelly and Neil both have one, now there's four mansions there. I could play for resources and gain four resources. Mm -hmm. So what do you do with the resources? Well, um, you, should, you should kind of break down the idea that we have of like the two types of uh, goals. Right? Because early on in the game, you would have resources. Oh, yeah. That's where I was going to go next. So perfect. Okay. Yes. No, you do it. Yeah. yeah. Early on in the game, you would just say like, okay, well, all water next to sand gets you one. Right. Either of uh, either points if you have buildings on it or resources if you're getting resources. And then someone would, we, I mean, we haven't figured it out, add a secondary goal to it that says right. mansions have yeah. the same plus one. And so now you're scoring, yes. Like that's what you were saying where you're scoring for your two mansions, but then you're getting resources for all of the mansions on that row. Right, yes, and that is, um, and so that's an interesting thing about the game that I think we're all excited about is the idea of those goals that are laid out on the board, those 12 yeah. ways that you score, that affects everyone. And when you upgrade and add to one of them, that still affects everyone. Um, so the next phase two will be figuring out personal upgrades you can make. Things that could be as simple as when you score points with water, you score plus one. Like, you know, um, and then, you know, and then that you could upgrade that further. Or maybe you can, uh, you can buy a card, like an upgrade that says discard this upgrade to draw your entire hand back. Because I should point out that the six cards you play, you play two each turn to, to score or grab the resources. You don't get to play those cards again until the um, until you've used all of that, yeah. right? You, you will interact with every column. Right. Well, not necessarily every column in every row, but you will interact with each number every... Yes. Number every, yeah, every two, three turns. Three so turns, yeah. right now we're targeting nine to ten turns in the game, I think. Yeah. Because we, we talked about doing it, based on pl yeah, yeah. doing it based on player count. Um, I think we're always going to have a tile placed every single round. Yes. So that, no matter what. Then, then we have... Then it's locked in by player count. Yes. So uh, in a four-player game, you've got nine turns. Uh, in the three-player games we're doing, you have 12. Yeah. Um, and then a two-player, it would be, what, yeah. 18? Yeah, I might yeah. have to so, look at a two-player game for alternative right. round. Two-player game could be as simple as you just play two tiles. Ah, that would work beautifully. Um, and then drop it down to the uh, nine rounds. Yeah, now you're back to nine rounds. And, uh, and that really, like, because one of the issues we had was on your turn, you had some action choices. And one of them was build, and one of them was one of them was place a tile, and then you could build a house. Well, so we would just place a tile and then automatically put a house on it. So mm -hmm. there was we really wanted a, a place no, where there were no empty tiles. Yeah, we really wanted empty tiles. Yeah. Um, and then, and then so the so the a couple other design points we're leaning towards are things like the idea that I can sell a house later in the game. Uh, or anytime really to earn more victory points um, and get my house back because um, when you get houses back uh, you, you have a limited supply of houses right now you only have eight houses two of each type ten, um, ten houses because uh, there are five types yeah I'm just bad with math uh, so yeah so that is is really important to understand um, you know how you're gonna how you're gonna interact with that and you know and getting those tiles getting those houses back um, and then hopefully earning victory points, but also understanding that you're earning points along the way. You're earning these victory points along the way, so it's kind of that push-pull. But at the end of the game, likely those houses out there aren't worth anything to you. Mm -hmm. They're only worth to you if you sell them. So, um, yeah. Which I had an idea for, because right now we've got 36 squares, and if we have 10, like there are only six total squares on the three-player game that weren't filled up. On a four-player game, all squares would be filled by houses. So if we put a cap on the number of houses that each individual player could have on the board, and then that would benefit them to sell and like sell a boat so they could go build a tent someplace else that's more. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but, no, that makes sense. 
Because then you've got more, yeah, because the empty tiles were important, right? We yeah. found that wanting to have empty tiles was an important thing. Mm -hmm. um, That's why it's designed space for upgrades, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's true. One of the things we haven't talked about is how selling exactly would work. Like, right now there's no, um, there's no rules around how I would earn victory points for selling anything. Um, well, I mean, since you can only score that column and row... Uh, once mm -hmm. or get that squirrel value for that thing once i would say just even if you just got those points for the column and the row yeah since you're going to do it once every three rounds you're essentially getting it twice out of a three round cycle that's fair and then you're losing it so yeah, but if you're getting resources as well on your other rounds you could rebuild it in the meantime and just cycle through that that way right right and just run the risk of somebody else coming and building there I mean, I think with the the fact that you have like a living player board too, like you're probably going to have set up a good engine and then run into some sort of limits. Mm -hmm. Right. Because other players are there. And so then you're, you score what you were going to get mm -hmm. and right. make it better somewhere else. Right. No, that makes else. sense. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like we've probably done a pretty sketchy and poor job of explaining the game um, but that's because, again, a lot of it is still kind of amorphous, right? Yeah. So I do think when we come back, we should be able to do like a full, like hopefully tighter pitch of the game to yeah. kind of make you understand how it yeah. works. Um, and the other nice thing is uh, going forward is Kelly already has this all modeled out in TTS because he helped design, well, he made the models for me to print uh, so then he could, for the tiles, and then he also just dropped those right into TTS so we can also play this in TTS. We will have some issues with the housing on yeah. top because so to make the houses, what I did was I drilled holes into the um, into the tiles and then into the houses and then just had put three D printed pegs. And I know you're probably like, why didn't you just do that all at once? And that's a great question. And it's because uh, I ran out of time to do the one thing, so I ended up doing something that took longer. Uh, I think by drilling. I think so, yeah. it would work in TTS mainly because the way the models, uh, the very simple ones, usually work is it still treats it like a cube, even though it looks like it's not a cube. Oh, okay. Uh, so you can set other things on top of it. It'll just you know a uh, boat hovering fifty feet above. Awesome. On top. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Sounds fun. All right, well, I think we're going to call this first half here for now because I want to save some time for the last half to us have a lot to talk about uh, with where we're at um, checking in. I, I, we have a lot of hopes for getting a lot of stuff done today. Um, yeah. And then going and eating some more good food because we had some good food last night and we're looking forward to it again tonight. Yeah, we did. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. We will be back in seconds. For you, but um, as long as we An need for us. for us. Yes. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Building the Game, episode 482. Uh, yeah, we're here. We're here. Mm -hmm. And uh, things did not go well. We don't have a game at all to talk about. It's awful. Uh, You've seen The Hangover 2. you got a pretty good idea of how things went. Yep, it's real bad. No, I'm just kidding. It went fan-freaking-tastic. Uh, we had some lows. Um... And then we ended up with a game that uh, we're, we're all super happy with. Yeah. Um, yeah, like really happy with. So so much so that we actually play tested other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I think the best thing to do would be to start with like we'll do an actual pitch of the game uh, because uh, the game has changed substantially. And listening back to the old episode, I, the first part of the episode, anyways, I I don't believe we probably did a great job of explaining it. So we knew that on that episode that we didn't do a good job of explaining it. Yeah, I believe we actually. You're said just that. you're just realizing yes. this. No, I was just it was just talking about it. It was just oh, okay. vamping, you know. <laughs> all right. I was filling some time. No, all right. So uh, one of y'all should pitch it because I don't want to. And uh, so yeah, so pitch away. Uh, we'll start from the beginning so that you can actually hear what we ended up with and what this diabolical game is like. So yeah. What do you mean? Good. Start from the beginning. Like the pitch, like start oh, over with the pitch. Okay, start over with the well, you have to begin at the beginning. It's very dun -dun 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 -dun. So yeah. Anyways. All right. Uh, well, this is a game of topography where you are building a topographers the game. Topographers the game. <laughs> um, 
Sorry. I'll shut up, I promise. Topography? I don't know. Um, so, game where you're building a landscape using tiles of differing heights and different slopes, and you are scoring points based off of the placement of those tiles as well as what buildings you build on top of them. So on your turn, you will be placing a tile on the board. That tile will be one of five uh, terrain types. Mount, uh, rocks, water, sand, woods, or plains. Grass. Grass. Grass, grass, grass. We landed on That's grass. went through a few different terminology changes. Yes, it has. So you will hear us probably contradicting ourselves numerous times as we have changed words like five times. Uh, and then you score points on the placement of the number of matching corners that it touches for the height. So let's say you have two flat pieces and you're putting them together, that'd be two points because you've got two matching things. If you're landing, managed to land one very perfectly, you have 12 because there are three matching corners on each side because it is adjacent, diagonal, and orthogonally. And I think, just to give a little context, the best score any of us have ever gotten once was eight. Nine. Nine? We Somebody got nine. nine. So got one nine. It, it typically falls around, like a good one is... Four to six feels yeah. pretty solid. Like, yeah. that feels like a good amount of points. But sometimes replacing getting zero because you yeah. really have to get a piece of land somewhere. So, yeah. so that's the base scoring me mechanism. Now, to start the game, each player drops a single tile on the starting locations. That way, uh, there's something to play off of, and there's the first player doesn't get hosed for having zero chance to get points. Also, every player has a secret hidden goal at the beginning, and it's a very simple three-tile pattern that you have to make in reference to one of the things you build later. Uh, gives you a little bit of guidance at the beginning to make the game. Then on your turn, you pick a new goal, so you have personal goals, which would be things like build a house with three adjacent sand tiles, or a row goal, which will be like, for every flat tile you build on, you score points. You play that, and then you play a tile to the ground, and then you either build, remove, or move, or uh, move a building. And relocate. Relocate. Yeah, which is move means move a building from one spot to an empty spot yeah. on another tile. Or, and tiles, you said flat tiles. So we have flat tiles, and we have hills. Yeah. Basically, any tile that is just completely flat at any mm -hmm. level. It could be a, 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 a one height, a two height, or a three height. Those are the three levels. Yeah. Um, but it... it if it's got a, any sort of slant to it, it's a hill. Yep, exactly. Uh, so those the goals you score immediately as you fulfill them, the row goals you score at the end, so you have time to build up to that, and the row goals score uh, triangularly. So the very easy ones to get go 1, 3, 6, 10, and yeah. then this max at 10. You only have two of each building, so the ones there are ones that are, say, build a house on a hill. Uh, that scales 3, 6. Yep. And that's how that scaling goes for that. All the goals are worth five points. That worked out pretty well. Yep. Yeah. And the, the, what you're calling the row goals, um, those are communal. Yeah. All players can score off of those. They, they're like a modification of the game board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so in, uh, did we go through a, main, a regular turn? I essentially just gave everything we do on the turn. Right. So, so yeah. So the simplification kind of of the turn is just... You've got a market, and the market has four cards mm -hmm. uh, of personal goals and four cards of board goals that you would put out on the board. There are mm -hmm. 12 slots for those based on the shape of the board. Um, 14 now. 14 now. You're right, because yeah, it's seven by seven. So, um, yeah. And then uh, you, uh, you choose either a personal goal or a board goal. You must take one. Uh, personal goals, uh, you lose points if you don't fulfill them, yeah, uh, which kind of drives you, if you don't think you can fulfill it, to grabbing a board goal. Uh, and sometimes you just grab a, a board goal that is stinky, and you just put it in a spot where it's not going to help anyone right now. Um, and then after you do that, you then place a tile. There, the whole tile reserve that is left over is always uh, available to you. Um, of the 40 tiles, whatever's left, always available. Uh, you place that somewhere on the board. You score points, as Kelly described. And then you will either do the move a house, place a house, I mean, move, sorry, building, haha, <laughs> building. Uh, you move a building, place a building, remove a building. Or swap a building with one in your or hand. Or swap a building with one in your hand. The only thing you cannot do is swap two buildings on the map because we figured out very quickly yeah. that that's just too powerful. You can do yeah. any interaction with one building. Yes. Yep. Oh, that you own, yeah. only your buildings. Yeah. So, and one of the. Uh, with the goals, when you complete a goal, uh, one of the, the goals you would have in your hand, like the personal goals, you actually score it immediately and therefore can then move something to score something different. 
Um, so that's kind of the basic synopsis of the game. Yeah, and you play until basically everyone's in a two-player game or a four-player game, you play until all the tiles yeah. are gone. In a three-player game, you play until there's one tile left. Yeah. And that would mean that everyone has had equal turns. It ends up being 36... 39. 39, sorry, turns. Um, yeah. Yeah, so pulls, or 40 in a four, two- or four-player game. Uh, and the turns go really quickly, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of the, the way the game works. Uh, I would love now to kind of have us talk about where, um, kind of what it's went from, because I, I think that the game we showed up with and the game we ended up with are not that dissimilar, but it was a bit of a roller coaster, uh, yeah. getting there. So I don't know, Neil, do you want to kind of talk a little bit about, uh, a few of the ups and downs with that? Yeah, it's hard to figure out how we actually got to where we are at now. Well, I mean, we, <laughs> like after that last recording at that point, like, at that point, we said we were going to go in this new direction that's going to make it more complex, and we, big time, instead, pulled Didn't back like from there. That. Yeah. Yeah, which was good. That was good. Like, we, we kind of tried to take the easy route, right, of, like, let's add more complexity to make it better. And then, uh, but you kept describing, you were talking, talk about the brain-burning aspects of the first few games, because <laughs> you kept talking about that. Yeah, I mean, it was just because we had all of these, all of these goals that were, like, relatively complicated. Uh, and that involved a lot of uh, neighboring stuff. Um, and you were constantly scoring things. I think that's probably the thing that was the biggest brain burner. Is that, that you were trying not only to keep track of all these goals, but then you were having to say, like, well, what am I going to score next? Because we were just right. constantly scoring. Yeah. yeah, and I think uh, changing the goals to be scoring immediately as you fulfill them really reduced a lot of the brain burning thing. Uh, right. Because then you could just... Forget about it, yeah. Yeah. And it, so it, it really tapered down the load, like the cognitive load at the end of the game or the math load of doing the calculations yeah. because you're obviously keeping track of placement scoring right away. But then at the end of the game, you were scoring your goals and you were scoring uh, your, your rows and columns. Yeah. And now because you do the, the goals immediately, the only thing you have to score at the end are your rows and columns, which is easy. Well, yeah, and because you have the goals out there, you had to pay attention to which houses, which buildings you had out had yes. to stay there because you could move them for more points, but you might be screwing over one of your goals. So you had to know why every one of the ten buildings you had on the table were where they were. Right, and it was really stopping us from like moving around, and it was just making you double think stuff. Oh, yeah. And and there was a chance at the end where like you screwed up, and now you don't get the points. And and the row goals on that, we were you had to choose which rows you were going to the board goals you were going to choose which one of those twelve goals you were going to score. Yeah. Every round because you had the six cards and you were going to choose two rows to interact with every. Yeah, round. the constant right. scoring is what really I think was the brain burning part. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it really it really cleaned itself up with those yeah. tweaks, uh, to the point where we actually opted not to play the game again this weekend because we're so happy with where it's at. And so the, other, the other big thing is that like, because we now choose the row and column goals, whereas it used to just be randomly, randomly placed. placed yeah. yeah. Like the fact that the fact that we uh, are setting them out there in a way that benefits us. Uh, one of the other things that that, that does is it kind of uh, locks some of your, your homes into really, really good scoring row, rows. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, I'm not going to touch those. Yeah. Right. It right. also means that the board is empty of any scoring at the very beginning of the game. The yeah. only right. thing that affects the way you play your first two tiles is that little secret goal you have to make that pattern. Right. Mm -hmm. And the secret goal is great. So the, the normal goals right now are worth five points. So the secret goal is worth ten. Yeah. Um, and pretty much you will absolutely be able to fill that secret goal. It is just designed to give you any sort of direction um, early in the game. And it works beautifully. That was... YouTube uh -huh. coming up with that. I don't know. Was it Neil? Was it your idea? I don't remember. It was but. My, like an idea at the beginning, but I mean. Yeah. And then <laughs> was, you and Kelly like I was, I was, your heads it together. It was mostly just like we need some sort of direction. Yeah. yeah. And then you and Kelly put your heads together and map that all out. And it, it and works like all, a charm. We give them all fun names like that describe the different. Yes. Topography that you yeah. would be seeing there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I have to just say personally like w when we started like we were really stuck at first. And then we felt like we had a breakthrough. Um, and when we did, we, Neil said, we're going to get stuck again. Don't get too excited. And he was absolutely right. Like, we got to a point where I personally was just like, 
this isn't going to work. Like we're going to, we're going to be done here and we're not going to have a game that works. Um, and I was totally wrong. Um, you know, it's amazing that you know, I, I think what I want to talk about is, is, is some things that helped us succeed this weekend. And, and the biggest thing for me that, well, we, we talked about this early and everybody can throw their two cents in, but for me, the biggest thing was we came together with a game idea that absolutely none of us were like, it wasn't something any of us had worked on separately. Mm -hmm. um, so none of us really had like a lot involved in this. You know, we saw a picture. No, no, no that, real vision of the game yeah, either. We saw a picture on Airbnb's website that we thought was really like inspiring. And I saw it, I shared it with the, with the group. And yeah, and that was our big inspiration. And everything else went from there. Yeah. Uh, so I think for us, that was a huge uh, plus for working through yeah. things. Uh, what else do you guys think really helped us get through it? Well, the same thing we said this time, same thing we said when we were talking about Minecart Madness and Foggy Woods, having that design goal to focus to and return to every time. Because every time we added a little bit of complexity, we were constantly asking about whether or not this adds to the warshiness or takes away from the <laughs> Right, right. Which, by the way, we're writing a self-help book. Don't be wishy, be warshy. Yes, yes. Hopefully Wolfgang will be okay with that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think the thing that really helped us is that one of the first things we did is just made a game that was playable. Yep. Mm. Uh, and we definitely, you know, the first time we played it, it wasn't great. But we played it. But we played yeah. it. And, we're, and we were like, this is a game. Like, this isn't, like, fun, but it's yeah, a game. It's a game. <laughs> and, then, and then it's like, you know, we iterated on that. Mm -hmm. And it was, still, it was still bad, but, like, at no point did we make the game unplayable. Right. So we were able to have these experiences where we went through and and have a, had a had a tangible feeling of what the game is and what mm -hmm. it was good at and what it was bad at. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we just kept coming back to that. And then I feel like at a certain point we had just played the game enough that we really just deconstructed the entire game yep. and put it put it back together. Yep. And it wasn't like. We weren't like, let's start completely over, right? Yeah. But it was like, okay, well, let's tweak this one thing. And then, yep. you know, Nick Kelly's like, okay, but if we do that thing, we can tweak this thing. And then Jason's like, well, if we do that, then we can remove the cards. <laughs> yep. Um, and I think it's just because we were able to have something that we could play and we right. played it again and again. And then we didn't even realize when we deconstructed the game. No. And two, two notes on that. One, removing the cards. We had talked about using the cards to score or to gain resources. We all loved that, right? I mean, like yeah. we all thought that was really clever and cool, and then we just dropped it. And it was funny because I didn't—I don't even think like I didn't realize when we dropped it. I was like, "Do we not need the card?" I was—I was talking about numbering the rows to match the cards. I was yeah. like, "Do we not need these?" And one of you were like, "No, no, we don't now. We we got rid of that." And I was like, "Oh, cool!" Like you know, yeah. but um, I think one of the other things that really, really helped with this was. Um, that when, when it came to changes, we truly did a lot of, you know, what they call A-B testing where we, well, we, even though we completely deconstructed the game over five plays, maybe we really didn't change a lot in each round. We would pull ourselves back. We would basically say we can change this thing. And like when we made the board seven by seven instead of six by six, it was like, we changed something else. We're like. Well, the board, that board placement has nothing to do with that. Like the board placement's a completely separate problem. Let's also make that change. You know, or, hey, these goals work, but we can tweak these little things in the goals. But we were only making one big change at once. Yeah. And that really helped us learn pretty quickly what wasn't working. I mean, yeah, we, made, so, we only made one change at once until we had that yes. big restructure. And then we were able to really, you know, but like you said, those first few games were... We're really deconstructing it, and one of the things I have to commend you two on is the, is that when we like, is we have we made something like minimum viable product that we could play, and that's not something that I ever do, like and it's it, I should and I don't, and because we played through that first awful boring brain burning game, like because it was brain burning and it wasn't even fun. Uh, we were exhausted. But yeah, we literally were like, I don't think I can do this again tonight. Like, but but it worked. It it played. And it showed us all the problems that weren't going to work that we could immediately try and tackle. Yeah, no, that's interesting. So we, we did that like MVP twice. Because the first time we did it, we were like, oh, that's pretty brain burning. Let's, let's try to add some things to make it less brain burning and just like exponentially increase the brain burn. 
Okay. <laughs> we, we did it. We made it so much worse. Yet somehow it was more fun. Yeah. yeah. But, but more brain burny because yeah. we at least inserted some fun into the game. <laughs> yeah. And then we made it more fun, but yeah, it was, it was uh, painful. Um, but then the end of that night when we restructured, we decided to switch from the row scoring to the just placement scoring for the to go through we just did a round with just placement scoring yep and it was fun yeah like, that was, was fun. the most fun i think we'd had playing the game at that point and we were like okay so the the, the corner counting isn't too pa painful like this basement scoring works and yep. then we can just and then the next day we got up and just added stuff back that we yep. started working back in and we iterated through so many different like the goals that you put on the map mm -hmm. we changed those were, i think were the things that got the most drastic change I was really impressed that our personal goals, we barely changed those. We did not change the cards. We just changed, we made a couple a little harder by requiring, it would say like, you have to have a tent uh, adjacent to a tent. And that was so incredibly easy uh, that we instead would say, you have to have a tent adjacent to a tent on sand. Mm -hmm. So one of the tents has to be on sand. And we literally did that by just drawing circles of color on the card yeah, so that we knew Mm -hmm. uh, I was excited to have this huge marker pack that I bought like a year ago and I've never been able to use. And that was a, that was fantastic for doing this stuff. But the row goals, the row and column goals that fit around the outside of the board, we gutted those multiple times. Yep. Um, with, like I saw Neil throw away a huge stack of them that were just garbage. We found so much stuff that did work and that didn't work. Like, yeah. It, it, it was really tough to yeah. figure that out. And one of the other things, uh, I know I'm talking a lot, I'm sorry, I just want to throw out here that I think was helpful, we talked about this earlier today, was with there being three of us, it was never like, you know, like if it's just Neil and I, like last year, like there were times where we would kind of be at an impasse with a game where it's like, well, what do we do? But in those cases, it was generally like, well, this is Neil's game, like he, he was his idea or it was mine, and you kind of defer to that person a lot of times, right? Or like, whoever feels strongly. Yeah, about. right? But like in this case, it was great because... Two of us would disagree, and the third person would almost always have an opinion that echoed one of the other two, and it was like, okay, well, then we'll just do that, you know? Or if we felt really passionate, we'd say, well, this is, these are my concerns. How do we fix that? And that was that open communication really was helpful, I thought, at least. It really was. No, I agree. There were quite a few times where, one, we all three know each other pretty well, so uh, there are a couple times one or two of us were just like, no, that won't work. That's not. yeah. That's that's bad. No, that's, that's not going to work. But then we explain why. We know yeah. that you're not being yes. personal about yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and and we were not speaking of that. Like several times, we weren't afraid to say, "I, I love to throw out bad ideas and be like, listen, I don't even know how this isn't going to work.' But let me just explain it." And I think there was at least one time where one of you was like, "No, but we could do this." Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh wow! All right. See, bad yeah. ideas become good ideas." Yeah. I was, there was like, a, I remember hearing this story about this teacher that was teaching like creative writing or something like that. Uh, and she put like a trash bin by all the students' tables and she asked them to come up with like ideas. Mm -hmm. And that if they didn't like their ideas, they'd throw them in the trash bin. Mm -hmm. And she collected everyone's trash bins and like put them in Ziploc bags and uh -huh. kept them until the end of the school year and then gave them back to the students. And the students were like, oh, these ideas are so good. <laughs> <laughs> like I love, I love that. That's good, yeah. I still sometimes will look back at like old like sheets where I kept like game ideas and you see one and you're like, why didn't I work on that? Like that sounds really interesting. Yeah. So, um, also, the, the thing that I was thinking as you're talking through some of this stuff is that, uh, Kelly started calling the game location, location, location. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and it's really fun because when we, we've been doing score breakdowns to kind of target exactly how someone's winning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there are the three ways to score. We actually track those separately throughout yeah. the game so that we can see, you know, how it's breaking. Yeah, yeah, so you get a ton of points from tile placement. Yep. You get a ton of points from your personal goals. Mm -hmm. And then you get a ton of points from the end game uh, row and column goals. Mm -hmm. And we found out really that there's like such an even split between all of them. Yeah, and surprisingly then, even. And even as you're playing the game, it's really cool for you to have, like you have to place a tile. And then you're holding this card, and you're like, "This tile, this card can score me five points." Right. And then you're looking at the at the tile you pulled, and you're like, "I can score six points with this tile." Yep. <laughs> and so you're like, "Oh, I have to make this trade off." And then you're like, right. "Okay, but no, I have this. Uh, I have there's this column goal, and it'll actually like increase that right. by three. Uh, and it sounds like a lot, but it, it it was it feels really cool to have those three different 
things pulling at the same time uh-huh. in a way that isn't super, it wasn't brain burning. Not at all. It no. was, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, I, mean, I feel like smarter people than us have talked about the difference between like something being brain burning and something being complex. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. definitely complex, but it wasn't overall. It's the difference like between complicated and complex. Complicated right? and yeah. complex. I think part of that is that because it grows the way it does. Yeah. You're already invested in specific areas. You're not paying attention right. to the entire board yeah. when you're making right. those yeah. decisions. You're paying attention to two, maybe three spots that you've got to complete. No, yeah. I noticed in the last two games we played that the row goals, we would have like four or five of those out, like four turns into the game. And then by the end of the game, you literally would have it full, like all yeah. like 14 goals with some extras overlapping. Because what happens is once you fill those roll goals up, roll row goals up you can actually put ones behind the other ones to like double up um but it really is a lot of push and pull like neil was saying like the triangular scoring is very like it's very sexy right like when you have you've got one you've got three you've got six and now you could do 10 right and you're like whoa that's only four more points though right like it's only four more points and you're like oh you know and like having to do the math and be like oh wait no like neil said i could place this tile over here or I could do this goal, and that's five points. Yeah. That is a better choice than making this work. So I'm just going to do that. And sometimes you get lucky and you can do both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the dream. Yeah, that is the dream. Well, that's, I mean, that's a huge part of the fun of the game, too, is that uh, even a lot of the goals are, are focused around what's adjacent to your building. Mm-hmm. And what's fun is that, I mean, one of the things I was doing in the last game is I was letting you two build the stuff I needed. Right, placing placing land, and then if we didn't put a put a building on it, you would just put the building on it you wanted to put on yeah, it. Yeah, like then... I would, I would just kind of go to the edge of the map and like put the building down that I needed to score, and then I'm like, there's probably gonna be right. They're probably gonna put like at least one of the things that I want, and I'm gonna wait and see if it starts to fill up. Yep. But it like the the fact that there's like all this shared uh, board space, mm-hmm. uh, it, it really makes it so like. I can concentrate on some other stuff and then come back over to it. Um, I don't know. It's really fun. I think one of the things that really helps to make the game very forgiving, like it's not, I think it's very forgiving when you're making choices. You talk about how close our scores were. Yeah, I mean, every time our scores yeah. have been within a swing of ten to fifteen points tops. Like, yeah, like but and that's with like scoring like a like a hundred like, like a five percent. Yeah. Range. Yeah. yeah, with uh, between first and second, the biggest spread we've had is three points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and uh, the uh, oh, what was I gonna say? Oh, the forgiveness part of the game, where like because adjacent is diagonal and orthogonal, yeah. like and in in most places on the board, one tile has eight tiles adjacent to it. Yeah. So when it's like you need five of this type of tile or five different tiles, like. It becomes very easy to do those things, and you don't like, like you don't feel that level of rushness. You can feel like picture playing Ticket to Ride with an aggressive player, like that kind. Of, that's what I feared would happen in this game, where like you'd be like, oh gosh, I'm running out of space. But it really doesn't. It really doesn't. There were a few times where like Neil was was just before me in the game, and you would take something that I wanted, but then I would just do something else and get the same or slightly less points, and. You know, you just have to, like, be like, okay, well, there's still other opportunities here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, overall, um, so we're running out of time here. I think, overall, this was, like, this was really successful. We had a lot of fun. Yes, yes. Playing it the last time we played it. Yeah. Like, the last time we played it, it was fun. We're like, here are the things we need to change. And a lot of it was just nomenclature stuff to say, like, these naming conventions just aren't good. um, And we need to solidify them. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we we have a game now that we would be comfortable like showing to publishers. Like yeah, we, were joking, we were joking that we need to start sending off pitches tonight. Yeah, we'll just send off our pitch sheets and you know, our sell sheets tonight and some pitches. I mean, it's not like it needs a few more plays, but like I would be comfortable to sit down and show a publisher this and not feel like it was underdeveloped, um, knowing that it's going to need more development. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of that would come from like where does a publisher want that game to go? Yeah. Like what do they want it to be theme wise? Where do they want to, you know, and, and so we, we've, we've already started kind of targeting some publishers to say like, okay, this is the type of publisher that would work for this. What type of theme would work best for them? How would that work? You know, so that has been, um, that's been really helpful. And uh, yeah, and on the fun note side, we've had a, just a great time in general. Like 
We uh, have eaten at some really good restaurants. Ottawa, Illinois is ridiculously cool for being a, not that big of a little city. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, I love this place. I was actually it's telling Kelly's my wife, I'm like, here. we got to come here. Yeah. So how was your first time? It's been quite nice. Uh, interesting murals, really great food. Uh, the place, it's a small enough town that you can, it's like a half hour walk from the place we rented to like the other side of the main downtown area. Mm -hmm. So that's not bad. And like when you've got surprisingly good high quality like Aniga, the Neapolitan pizza place we went to. Yeah. Oh my like, gosh. That was ridiculous. Yeah, I recommend that. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we, so we had like really fan, we had the fancy pizza. We had uh, the burger and sushi house that we raved about last year was open. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, the place the, we went tonight was even really good. Yeah. Uh, there was the gastro pub, the uh, the Lone Buffalo. Yep, that was really good too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, all these places had outdoor seating. Like it was really yep. cool. Yeah, because I would say that was a rule for us was we're only going to do outdoor seating, and that was great. Uh, the Jeremiah Joe Coffee once again was awesome. Uh, so I love that place, and they had nice, really nice outdoor seating, yeah. some of the best. Um, and yeah, so it was just it was just a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, the town here is just very welcoming too. Like the yeah. people, like. We had, every waiter or waitress we had was fantastically nice and fun to talk to, um, which does not always happen. <laughs> so, yeah. It's true. Um. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's everything. Um, so, I want to throw out a note there that we've been tweeting a bit about this game. So, like, if you want to reach out to us, for sure, check out, um, we are on Twitter. Uh, Kelly is at Kenny Ho, K-E-N-E-H-O. Neil is at Potted Meat. I am at Jay Slingerland, as you know. Um, we, all three of us, have tweeted and retweeted the pictures of the game board and stuff so you can see what it looks like. Uh, and it looks real fun. So check it out. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think about it looks like. Uh, before we go, any other uh, thoughts or things you want to throw out there, guys? Uh, no, just just been blasts. Really enjoyed getting to hang out, know you two, and... Uh... Design a game. Yeah, and it's been uh, it's been fun to like hang out with other people we haven't seen in a very <laughs> long time. Uh, yes, I have lived alone with COVID for two. <laughs> it's uh, and we do video chats, but this is this is better. This is, is much it is, better. It is. So um, yeah, all right. So as always, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can reach out to Building the Game Podcast uh, at gmail.com. You can go to the Building the Game Podcast website. There you can find, of course, our Discord channel. Uh, also, I gave out our Twitter handles, but the podcast is at PodcastBTG. Um, find us in all the other lovely podcasting places. And please, please come back next week. Like I said, check out those uh, pictures on Twitter because they are cool. But until next time, good night. Bye. Bye. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 Hotel BTG. Please don't use the email. <laughs>